Welcome to the Marriage Battle Plan Podcast. You know, a lot of couples struggle to communicate clearly in their marriages, and it's costing them a lot of heartache and pain. Our mission here is to help you communicate better with your spouse using combat-proven military communication strategies so you can enjoy your marriage more every single day. If you haven't done so already, please take the next three seconds. That's right, just the next three seconds. And simply click that five-star review button if you think this is a five-star podcast so we can reach even more people just like you and your family and friends and loved ones and help you all continue to win in your marriage. Welcome back to the Marriage Battle Plan Podcast. I am Brian Fleming, your host, here with my beautiful wife, Jamie. And today we're going to be talking about how to win any battle in your marriage. Mm-hmm. And that sounds too good to be true. It sounds um, a little cliche. It's not. If you've listened to any of our podcasts or followed anything we do, you know that we're, we don't do fluff. We don't do stupid. We don't do the the happy uh, as, as one of my mentors calls it, self-help happy crap. Yeah. Uh, that, that sounds good, but it just doesn't work. Mm-hmm. That is not us. We are very practical, tactical people. And the reason we're going to show you that we can show you how to win any battle in your marriage today is because we are going to show you today a handful, just uh, multiple elements of a true, actual military battle plan. These are the same concepts that we used when I was deployed and fighting the ground war in Afghanistan to successfully plan and carry out missions. And we've adapted this framework, slightly we've adapted it and these concepts to a marriage relationship so you can win the battles you face mm-hmm. by being able to communicate clearly with your spouse. Yes. So, you know, if, if you've never heard of the marriage battle plan, what it does is it shows you how to communicate clearly with your spouse so your marriage will make it. You can have a more fulfilling marriage. You can be on the same page with each other and make it work and enjoy it. And the main Bible verse for the marriage battle plan is 1 Samuel 17, 48. And I'll bet nobody listening to this can quote that verse. In fact, there's one person I think can. My co-author and friend, Chad Robichaud, because I know he knows this verse. 1 Samuel 17, 48. Here's what it says. As Goliath Maneuvered to attack him, David quickly ran toward the battle line to meet him. As Goliath maneuvered to attack him, David quickly ran toward the battle line to meet him. Mm. I absolutely love that verse. It should be made into a movie. Because imagine a giant moving onto the battlefield, advancing toward this little guy that even the soldiers were like, Why are you even here? Yeah. That's how little of a runt and insignificant he was perceived to be. Mm-hmm. And when this giant started advancing towards him, he didn't freeze and stay there out of fear. And he didn't run away. No. It says he quickly ran toward the battle line to meet him. He sprinted. He saw the enemy significantly larger than him. And he sprinted immediately toward the enemy to kill him. And he did. He that's, defeated it. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And here's the thing. So often in marriage, people run into problems and they don't deal with them. The, there's an enemy advancing. And they don't deal with it. Or they run from it. Or they act like it's not there. Yeah. And they, then They try to avoid it. Yeah. And then they wonder why they got defeated. Why their marriage ended in divorce. And we know there's a lot of different reasons and angles on why marriages don't work. But in general, uh, there are enemies. And we're going to talk about that. And if, in case you, you aren't super familiar 
with the marriage battle plan. It's basically this. It, again, it's to help you communicate clearly with your spouse. And this is what it does. This is what it shows you how to do. It shows you how to clearly define what you want in your marriage. How to identify real enemies standing in your way. Recognizing the mental propaganda that causes division between you and your spouse. Uh, identifying your purpose for why you actually want your marriage to work and why it matters. Mm-hmm. How to how to recognize key allies when you see them. These are people and resources, we'll talk about this, who can help you succeed and win. How to create a simple plan of attack so you can achieve victory and you can avoid defeat together. It's going to show you how to take your next steps and know exactly what to do if things begin to fall apart as you implement your marriage battle plan together. If you want to know more about marriage battle plan, just go to marriagebattleplan.com. We have a free resource on there, free weekly tips, Mm -hmm. awesome, practical, easy to implement things to make your marriage on the daily better. All right. And we also have an online course. We'll talk about that later. But here's the thing. Don't miss this. When you understand how a battlefield works, you'll understand how to make your marriage work. Yes. The problem is that people in general don't know how a battlefield works. And why would they? I mean, from the ages of 18 to 22, that was my life, my job. It was learning how to plan and carry out battle and win. It's the only framework I have to think by. But most people weren't trained that way, which is why we we created this program. Now, uh, we have something fun we normally do, don't we, Jamie? Yeah, it's the cl- cliche of the week. <laughs> yeah, the cheesy marriage cliche of the week. And it's usually the ones that I don't like because I'm that guy who's always looking for what's wrong with something or, mm-hmm. or hey, the guy messed up here. I mean, I know it's not the, it's not the greatest habit, <laughs> but this is these cliches. These are things people say that may or may not be true, and I don't think often are true, but they just sort of blindly repeat them yeah, as if they're true. Mm-hmm. And if you actually follow them, it's actually not really good advice. And so today's cheesy marriage cliche of the week is this. You probably heard it. Marriage should be 50-50. You've heard that. Mm-hmm. You, give, you give half, I give half, we're a whole. Mm-hmm. But then, then you hear a lot of people amend that statement, in particular, people in church. Yeah. And the Christian realm, the church realm, the religious realm, they go, they come back and they're real passionate with this. They get real convicted. A lot of them, you know, people start shouting about it. It's, it's yeah. They say, <laughs> marriage is not 50-50. Marriage should be 100-100. Okay. I get that too. Mm-hmm. We should both be fully committed to each other. Um, and you can look at this from a commitment level or from a practical level of how much he does, how much she does. We should be even and fully committed. We get that. But here's the thing. The people who say it's 50-50, they're wrong. And for all of you who say it's not 50-50, marriage should be 100-100, you're also wrong. Yep. And here's why. Now, I can feel some of you want to turn this off right now because <laughs> I'm about to challenge your thinking. Here's the thing. The truth is that marriage is never always 50-50 or 100-100. Sometimes there are times in marriage when it's 70-30 or it's 80-20 and it fluctuates and bounces back up, back and forth. Mm-hmm. Because here's the thing. Every human, everybody is a human being. And sometimes one person may be dealing with something that's worse than the, the other person's dealing with. And they just can't give a hundred percent. In fact, I don't know anyone who can give a hundred percent, a hundred percent of the time to somebody else, let alone to themselves. 
mean, most people, you know, they, they don't even get up on time. They hit the snooze button three times before they get up. <laughs> All right. I mean, let alone being 100% committed to their spouse. But like, Jamie, you had a car accident last year. Mm-hmm. Right when right when everything went crazy in the world today. <laughs> yeah. And when Jamie had a car accident, she had some serious injuries. And there were things uh, around the house and our finances and different areas of our marriage where she she could not be like at a 100-100 kind of thing with me. Here I am, completely able-bodied, um, not messed up by that recent tragedy, mentally or psychologically, and able-bodied, good to go, and I can still do everything I was doing. But now you were focused on getting better, having procedures. Well, it's, I'm still am. And you I'm still, still recovering. are. A year, year and a half later. Mm-hmm. Procedures, rehabs. Uh, you know, pain medications. So mm-hmm. there's there's all these things that you couldn't possibly keep giving 100 to me in the way that I could give to you, because yeah. you had other things that you had to deal with that were more immediate and important and pertinent to your health. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, and that reminds me of when we were first married. I mean, we were married three months, then you deployed, and five months later came home hurt and injured. And it was the same. Like, I could give 100% because I was able body, but you weren't. So I had to help you. I remember helping you bathe and, and even, like, Eating. help you yeah. eat everything, yeah. right, you know, because and – I, and I love you, and so I didn't mind doing all that. But it was the same kind of thing. Like, I was – you were – I was there for you at the beginning, and now, you know, this whole year, you've been here for me through mine. Yeah. And so it's not strictly – 50-50. No. Nor is it strictly 100-100. Nope. Because that's what you call living in a perfect world. And I don't know about you or anyone listening. I've never lived in an ideal perfect world where things are actually that so clear cut, clean cut consistently where that's possible. Yeah. <laughs> and so if you're talking level of commitment to each other, okay, yeah. 100-100. I get that. Yeah. But also... There are individual cases where there could be justifications, uh, rightful ones, um, depending on how you look at it. Yeah. So, so don't ever just take something as a as a solid truth just because you hear somebody say it or it's popular. Uh, it might actually hurt you worse than uh, it could help you. Because, I mean, with, with your uh, car accident injuries, if I would have started getting on you and saying, Jamie, you're not giving me 100% in this in this area of our marriage anymore. And now, now I'm attacking you and you're already hurt. Yeah. What's that What's that going to do for our marriage? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we were given 100, 100. And that's what the guy at the church men's conference said. And so I'm just <laughs> doing what he said. And now my wife doesn't like me. And, you know, now we're worse off than we were. So yeah. with whatever you hear in life, whether it's what we teach or what someone else teaches, take it and learn it, but also look at it very objectively. Mm-hmm. Now, that's what we're going to be talking about today because... The marriage battle plan, we're going to be talking about, and we're about to start on number one, the marriage battle plan, we walk you through just a a series of seven or eight steps in planning a mission, a military mission, but this is a battle plan for your marriage. Very simple to create, very simple to implement, carry out, and get results with whatever it is you're facing, whatever battle it is that you're being challenged with in your marriage that's affecting it in a negative way. And so, um, yeah, come over here. We got, um, we, now we, we're going to, we're going to teach you the steps, about seven or eight of them mm-hmm. uh, over the next you know, few minutes. And we're going to give you 
a scenario, like a fake scenario that we created that's based upon a very common problem that married couples deal with. Mm-hmm. It's called money. money. <laughs> so we created a, a, a sample scenario based on what we're going to teach you today. And then we're going to tell you, you know, what each concept is and create a little battle plan around this so you can see how exactly this works. And, you know, when we do live events, you know, we have couples live for two-day workshops, um, you know, hotel conference rooms or retreats or at churches, you know, that host and sponsor. We also have the online course at marriagebattleplan.com. You can learn more about all of this. But this is made to be very simple because in, in wartime, in battles, uh, there are only winners and losers. There's no, tro- everyone gets a trophy. That's not the real world. If you grew up that way, you were lied to. And if you raise your kids that way, that's pretty sad because the world just doesn't work that way and it never will. So we are here talking about the first step in the marriage battle plan. Jamie, what's that called? That's called the situation. Situation. So think, think about something you want in your marriage, something you want to be better. Like if you look at a certain area of your marriage, you know, what do you want? Maybe it's more love. Maybe it's more time together. More, maybe it's, you know, being more involved with your kids. Maybe it's, you know, being more financially secure, which is actually what we're going to be talking about today. That is the, the sample. So let's say, for example, with situation, the want is what, Jamie? I want to be financially secure. Yeah. Not only that, but what does that mean? Like, do you want to have $5,000 in a savings account as, a, as an emergency fund? Or, mm-hmm. you know, do you want to be making 10000 a month? Uh, you know, being financially secure, that's good to know. But if you can also drill that down, that's even better. Making it more clear. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And there's actually a Bible verse uh, that would, each of these concepts is biblically based, even though tactically uh, they're carried out in a military way. Uh, they're biblically based concepts. And Jamie, what's the first one? So the verse for this section is Mark 10, 7 through 9. It says, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Yeah, so here's the thing. Here's the key lesson in this section. You know, lots of people get married, uh, you know, with certain expectations about what their marriage should look like, whether it's their money their daily life together, their sex life, um, whatever. Mm -hmm. People, everyone comes into marriage with an idea of how ideal they want it to look. Uh, But most people never clearly communicate those expectations and desires to their spouse. Yes. And then they're let down and disappointed when those expectations go unmet. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's that's the, the ages old thing is that, you know, like the old, like the whole idea that like you hear guys say this, like, or the lady will say, well, I said this. And then the guy's like, yeah, but here's what I heard. And she's like, yeah, well, I said this, but this is what I meant. You should know what I meant. And it's like, no, we're not going to know what you meant. That's why it's important to, you know, when you have these expectations, make sure you're voicing the expectations in a certain area of your marriage uh, concerning what you want. Because if you don't literally say it, if you don't literally say, uh, Jamie, I want to have another $10,000 in our emergency fund by December. If I don't say that, I can't expect you to know what our goals are and then me get mad at you for going and doing your hair, you know, once a month and it's costing $200 and 
and uh, because it's taken away from hitting our goal. But if I never told you what the goal was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So what is it you want? The big question here is what do you want to see, have, or experience in your marriage that isn't there? Yep. And here, here's the here's the military concept to end this section. Unvoiced, unmet expectations are like a Trojan horse. They will silently attract enemies that will infiltrate the most sacred parts of your marriage and destroy it from the inside out. If you've ever seen that movie Troy with Brad Pitt, oh yeah, it's that story. Yep. In case you don't know history very well, if you've seen Troy, you know the enemy gives them this gift. It's this big giant wooden horse, and so they bring it inside the city walls. Well, what the people didn't know is that there were enemy soldiers hiding inside the horse. Mm-hmm. And so late at night, when everyone was sleeping, they all got out of the wooden horse and started fighting and killing everybody who was sleeping. That's the same kind of thing. Yeah, that's good. So when you don't voice what you want, or if you don't, if you aren't clear on what you want. Yeah. I mean, it's, you can't expect anyone to know it. So we're here, we're talking about being financially secure. That was the want mm-hmm. in our, in our little scenario. Yeah. And now the next part of the battle plan is identifying the enemy. Mm-hmm. So the, the enemy is basically uh, what is stopping you, literally stopping you from getting what you want. What's the literal obstacle in your way? Well, in this one, uh, we put, we spend too much. We spend too much money. Yeah. That's the enemy. Yeah. So if you want to be financially secure, probably if you're the average American, don't be spending $900 a month going out to eat. Uh, It's probably not going to work out very well for you. Jamie just bumped me in that leg. (laughs) I don't know how much we spent going out to eat, but we do know it's one of our vices. Yes. As of the time of this recording, we live just north of Dallas, Texas. There is an... And there's, there are 10 amazing restaurants going up every day, <laughs> and it's almost like a hobby to go sample them, and that costs things. But, yes. But we're responsible with it. You know, it's we, we budget for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, you know, we don't get to the end of the month and go like, oh, we can't we can't pay our mortgage, or we can't pay this, or we don't, oh, because we ate out so much. Like, we're, we're always within our realm, but we know that. Not everyone does that. Yes. So the key Bible verse for this section is John 10, 10. And it says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it to the full. Yeah, so enemies have one mission, and that's to destroy you. And destroy us and our marriages and our families. Your spouse is likely not the enemy in your marriage. A lot of people think their spouse is the enemy. I will say this. You've heard me say it before. I'll say it again. 1% of you married a complete psychopath mm-hmm. and you are your spouse is the enemy. <laughs> yes. That's not typical. Nope. <laughs> That's probably, probably not uh, the case with you, even though you think it is. Uh, so your spouse is likely not the enemy. In other scenarios, the enemy is often not even the initial the uh, the issue that you initially think. The real enemy in almost any situation usually lies just beneath the surface of the obvious problem or conflict that you're experiencing with mm-hmm. your spouse. Mm-hmm. So I'll say this too: uh, you know, be open to the fact that the real enemy may actually be something within yourself that you aren't saying. You know, we we all have blind spots, and yes. so, and, and yeah, and just sometimes you know we. We think something's wrong, but it's because we have an expectation or we have the, in our mind, we think something should be a certain way, but they're doing something else another way. And, um, 
you know, maybe the, the enemy isn't necessarily within your spouse or maybe it's somewhere else. And uh, this isn't always the case, but maybe a lot of times it is. Mm-hmm. And I always give this example from Afghanistan. You know, I was in two vehicles that were blown up and destroyed while I was there. And the first one was a roadside bomb. And is the roadside bomb we ran over, is that the enemy? I mean, it blew up our vehicle. I mean, it must be the enemy, right? No. Wrong. We can dig up those roadside bombs all day long and disable them. But if we don't go to the source and take out the people who keep putting bombs in the roads, Mm -hmm. then we're never going to have resolution. We're never going to, you know, be able to not, you know, have to drive down the road without knowing if we're going to run over a bomb or not. Yeah. So the the explosion, you know, the the explosion in your marriage, explosion in Afghanistan, you know, the, the thing you see that hurts and, you know, it's it's the chaos. That often is is a sign of the presence of the enemy. Mm-hmm. Because the real enemy uh, usually lies just beneath the surface of the obvious problem. The real enemy is like the root cause. Mm-hmm. of what's happening. What's the root cause? And it's almost never the initial thing you see. Yeah. And so uh, I've got this right here. It says the enemy is the root cause of the problem holding you back from what you want. Enemies often like to conceal themselves and stay hidden while wreaking havoc. Don't just look at the obvious problem, the fights, the lack, the negative emotions, the dissatisfaction, the money struggles, whatever. But when you identify the root source of that more obvious visible problem, you'll be looking your real enemy directly in the face. So who is the real enemy you know, in your life? What is, what is the cause of you not having this thing you want in a particular area of your marriage? So next part, the third uh, section of the marriage battle plan is what? It's called propaganda. Propaganda. Mm-hmm. And this one we put, I'm so stressed, what will we do? I'm tired of barely getting by. So, yeah, here's what propaganda in the context of the battle plan is this. It's the voice in your head mm-hmm. uh, that, it, that is caused by the enemy. Uh, it's, it's, it's the thoughts. It's the, the thoughts you have. Mm-hmm. And you have to really watch your thought life because it, it guides you like a compass. And we don't always have control over what thoughts come into our minds, but we do have control if we hang on to them and act on them, or if we replace them with better, greater thoughts and let go of them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I remember when I was in, you know, South Korea, um, I went to the DMZ. My, I used to live in South Korea. And I took a trip to the DMZ and there were these big loud speakers that were blaring from North Korea facing southward. Huh. And what they were doing, it was their propaganda them preaching very loudly with super loud speakers in Hangul, which is Korean. Um, they're a superior communist way of life and why it's better and why South Korea is wrong. It's basically like turning on the news every day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're just going to repeat over and over and over again the things they want you to hear, how they want you to see it, because they know if they do it loud enough, long enough, they will get buy-in from a certain percentage of people. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's the same thing with your thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, so what's the, the Bible verse for this particular section for propaganda? Um, it's Romans 12, 2. And it says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Yeah, so this right here speaks very strongly to the battlefield in your mind, in mm-hmm. our mind. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, the, the stories we often tell ourselves about the situations and events in our lives, they're like a steering wheel, you know, and they're indifferent to the circumstances and outcomes. Like, they really don't care. They're just thoughts. But they'll guide us wherever we allow them. And a story going through our head, uh, whether whether true or false, told, again, loud enough and long enough, will generally become accepted as true, even if it isn't, at some point in your future. If you keep thinking a, a, a thought about your spouse and why they do something, you are digging that thought deeper and deeper. You're entrenching it. And mm-hmm. it's going to be harder to get out the deeper you entrench it in your mind. Well, and that reminds me of, you know, a, like probably a year or so ago, you know, when I, I I wanted to talk to you about having a once a month where it's just us as a family because your mom, you know, move, had moved from Florida and she lived in Texas yeah. and she was over like, you know, pretty much all like every weekend. And I was really feeling like, oh, my gosh, I really want to talk to him about this. But gosh, I was feeling that way for at least a year in my head. Like, man, I really want to talk to him about that. But the propaganda in my mind was, oh, he's going to be mad. That's his mom. He loves his mom. He's very close to his mom. She hasn't lived near us in 20 years and has never lived in the same town as our kids. But that was what was going in my head was like, well, he's going to be mad. He, you know, all of that, that was the propaganda. Yeah. And in my head, it was like, well, I I don't want my mom to feel not welcome. Um, but turn, come to find out when you told me about how you felt mm-hmm. like, well, I don't want him to be upset. Whatever. What did I say? Okay. I was like, okay. <laughs> You're like, yeah. I'm like, yeah, that's cool. And then I talked to your <laughs> mom and your mom was feeling the same way of wanting a weekend or two a month where she doesn't have to, she know, doesn't she come can to stay it. in her robe and play with her cats and <laughs> have a cat, cat her day. She calls yeah. them. <laughs> Just a down day where she doesn't have to go anywhere, be anywhere. You yeah. know, doesn't have to talk to anyone. She likes some of her alone time. And, and so, she and, was feeling the same way, but she didn't want to hurt our feelings either. And again, propaganda, what our thoughts are. <laughs> yeah, so we all had different propaganda, but we actually all agreed. Just nobody talked. And this one, I'm like, this lasted for like a like a year until we finally talked about it. Almost, I would say even almost two, maybe. Almost two. Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I didn't care much anyway. I stayed pretty busy, but I didn't know this was going on, but... You know, if if we just would have had this conversation or you had felt open, and maybe that's some of it's my fault, maybe, if you had felt open to voice what was going through your head, the propaganda, mm-hmm. we could have had this cleared up like a year to two prior. Earlier, yeah. To when we did, yeah. <laughs> yes, so, but prime example. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, the most powerful and effective propaganda used against us will always, almost always contain at least a shred of truth. There'll be just enough to get our buy-in and a small agreement from us. Because the enemy knows if you give him an inch, he can eventually take a mile or ten. You really have to look out for strong propaganda because it is very subtle in its techniques. Um, you know, you I mean the, the news media at this point, even social media, it's all propaganda. It's they're propaganda machines. I mean, they'll report on, you know, a police shooting, but They'll tell you the version they want you to hear. And then three days later, it comes out that something else actually happened. It wasn't that at all. 
but now they have people emotional and mad and you know or whether it's a shooting a car accident something to do with a politician they'll spin it in the way from an angle they want you to to hear it yeah because there's a tread a shred of truth yeah the politician did this yeah there was a police shooting or yeah there was a car accident or yeah somebody did something with money in the marketplace that did something but then they give you their own version and so you have to be really aware of that because that happens in our own minds mm-hmm. like Where's the propaganda machine, like, you know, feeding you these thoughts? And a lot of times we base we base our perception of these things on our past experiences. So let's say if you had an ex-boyfriend that cheated on you. Mm-hmm. And now you, and I don't know if that ever happened, but if you're now married to me and I would never and have never cheated on you, you might see me doing something that maybe your ex used to do. And then immediately your mind remembers that your memory, and you go, "Oh, is he is he cheating on me? Mm-hmm. You know, why did he take his phone to the bathroom? You know, or you know, why did he do that thing? Because now that doesn't mean I'm doing anything. It just means you think I am, but I don't know you're thinking it, so I can't." <laughs> well, when we first we first got married, mm-hmm. I mean, my my father left my mom for another woman. Mm-hmm. And so when we first got married, that was the propaganda was like, man, I don't want to be left for another woman. And so I really had to work through <coughs> that propaganda in my mind. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. it's what you saw. Yep. And so what else did you have to go off of? That's a very normal human experience. Mm-hmm. So 1 Corinthians 14.33 says that God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. Mm-hmm, if good. you're getting if you're getting propaganda into your head and you don't have it confirmed facts, propaganda is not facts. It's speculation uh, at best, and it's not always accurate. And mm-hmm. it can really go one way or another. It's kind of like a roller coaster. It's mm-hmm. not fact. So you know if there's confusion, you're not going to have peace, and that's probably not coming from God. So the fourth section, the next one, is what we call the patriotic purpose. Now. This is like a deeply held conviction about your situation. So in, in the in the in the battle plan we're creating uh, for you here, the the sample about being fin- wanting to be financially secure. What's the patriotic purpose, Jamie? So for this one, it's we shouldn't have to just get by. Yeah, it's a deeply mm-hmm. held belief about you know almost like a justice statement. It's like shouldn't be this way, or you know, it we- shouldn't be this hard. To, yeah, to not to just get by and scrape by. Yeah, we shouldn't have we shouldn't have to always barely get by our whole lives. Like it shouldn't be this way. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like the deep. Yeah. It's the deep one. Now, if your if your strategy is to have the government save you, uh, quit right now. They're not going to. <laughs> yeah. I don't care what kind of crap a politician tells you, but you know that purpose is the fire that will drive you to do something that will change your situation. And, you know, you're going to lose motivation along the way. But mm-hmm. this is deeper than motivation. It's a conviction. It's a deeply held belief. And the Bible verse for this section is Genesis 2.18. And that says, God said it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Yeah, so you're not doing this thing alone. You know, you are in this together. And when you agree on what you're trying to get through. You know, we shouldn't, you know, if we're looking at a financial statement at the end of the month and going, you know, we're tired of being in this position. This isn't right. You know, our kids should be able to grow up in a better neighborhood. We shouldn't have to drive a car that breaks down all the time. You know, Mm -hmm. anytime we have to have an oil change and it's 40 or 50 bucks, 
We shouldn't have to have a money fight about it. We believe we should just be able to take the money out of the account and put it there. Well, that requires having money there. Yes. <laughs> so here's the thing. You know, this is the first time, you know, in Genesis 2.18, this is the first time in the Bible that God actually says that something is not good. This is important because it signifies and identifies the existence of an underlying foundational moral code of some sort. It speaks directly to the essence of deeply held beliefs about something. And in this case, man not being alone. Uh, it's a found, it is foundational as a motive for action and actually doing something even if it's difficult. When we identify strong personal reasons to fight for the success of our marriages, we're more likely to win in our marriages. Your patriotic purpose is the fuel that will keep you going during the times when your motivation eventually dies, and it will. Mm-hmm. I mean, have you ever done anything, Jamie, where you start off and you're super motivated, and it's going to take like six months to get there, and the first week you're all hopped up and excited, but then like day nine comes along and you're just, uh Well, that like working out, like, you know, <laughs> yeah. like a lot of those people that start in January 1st to work out. And then by January 10th, like, the the gym is back to being, like, barely anybody there. (laughs) Empty. Yeah, so it's like, oh, they're slamming the gyms. Hey, give it 10 days. It'll be back to normal. And it is. And it normally is. Yeah. Yep. So why is, whatever it is you want, you know, why why is it just not right that the enemy that you identified is attacking you or that it's present in your life? Because your, your deeper sense of purpose, your conviction, again, that's what's going to pull you forward when your motivation eventually fizzles out and dies because it's going to. Mm-hmm. So when you identify why your marriage matters and you both talk about it, you might have the same reason. You, you might both have different reasons, but when you both understand each other, that's when you will be more tightly bonded and on the same team together. Mm-hmm. So what's the next one, Jamie? What's the next lesson? Uh, it's called allies. Yeah. So for this one, we put friends with money, personal finance class, podcast, like maybe our ours or someone else's. Or like a money podcast. Like if, a money If you're one. trying to be more oh, financially yeah, that's true. secure. Yeah. Dave um, Ramsey or something. Yeah, Dave Ramsey's awesome. Uh, blogs um, or financial coach. Yeah. So one of the things that people do when they're fighting a battle, and even though I know this, I still tend to do it, um, you need to have allies. These are people who can come alongside you and help you win. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of people have the idea, I don't want anyone to know our situation. Well, if they don't know it, I mean, th- not everyone should know your situation, but if people, the right people don't know your situation, they don't know to come alongside you and help you get out of that. Yeah, absolutely. And vice versa. If you don't know their situation, you can't be an ally for them to help them. Yeah. And so the key verse here, it comes from Ecclesiastes 4.12. Yep, and it says, one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. Yeah, so there's powers in, power in numbers. And, Absolutely. You know, again, a lot of people try to fight their battles alone, and uh, for many reasons. You know, Again, they think asking for help is a sign of weakness, or they think they can handle it on their own, mm-hmm. or they're ashamed or embarrassed to ask for help, or their pride and ego gets in the way. But... Again, the most, you know, from a from a, a military perspective, the most vulnerable person to attack and being killed on a battlefield or captured by the enemy is a person who is alone. Mm, yeah. If you're alone on a battlefield, you are in huge trouble. You should have red flags going off everywhere. 
and get back behind friendly lines or reinforcements as soon as possible. Um, you know, there's no one man or one woman army. There's no Rambos. And, you know, it's a, it's cool movies, but they're fiction for a reason. So, and again, no competent, respectable leader uh, would refuse air support. That's, that's you know, you can call in airstrikes. If you're on the ground like we were in Afghanistan, we would call in helicopters and fighter jets and air warplanes to bomb our enemies. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes we they helped us get out of spots that we may not have survived. And so no respectable leader uh, would refuse air support uh, when being overrun by an enemy. You know, ref- refusing help when it's readily available can get your soldiers killed. Yes. A.K.A. in this case, it can destroy your family. Mm-hmm. So, Jamie, like, friends with money. Like, do we just ask, find our friends who have money and ask them for money? No. <laughs> but you can ask them kind of like, hey, how do you guys do your finances? Like, do you... <laughs> have a financial advisor do you how do you how do you do what how do you get your finances on track can you help us do that yeah we're, well, we're struggling can you help us yeah what plan do you use i mean you're you know if you know somebody who their their money's working well you know where do you put your money how do you divide it up how do you manage it mm-hmm. i mean you'd be, you'd be shocked at how simple little tweaks like that will completely save you yep um, you know, per, oh yeah, we said personal finance class. We did the Dave Ramsey Financial Peace University years ago. We did. And we still, we still, you know, we've gone through probably most of the baby steps at this point. Um, and we kind of deviated a bit because we're entrepreneurs and, but we, we did the ones that were really key. And then, you know, we're doing more though. Um, but we learned a ton from that. It got, it, it got us back to baseline. It gave us a, a framework by which to, to, to navigate. And so there's all kinds of information. There's the whole, the old, not the old phrase, probably a new phrase. Uh, I don't know who said it, but it's true. In an age of information, ignorance is a choice. Mm. So like, there's no excuse not to know how to manage money. Yeah. There's no excuse not to know how to win a battle in your marriage. Like, you're not the first person who's been through it. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be the last. Other people have been through it. People blog about it. They podcast about it. They talk about it. They teach about it. There are ways around things. And, uh, you know, we all have these little phones in our pockets or Apple watches on your wrist. Like we have instant access to information of any sort, anywhere, instantly, every day, at at every moment. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah, absolutely. So the next section of the lesson, this is the number six. And we're coming down to the end here in just a couple. Number six is a mission plan. And Jamie, what's the Bible verse for creating a mission plan? Uh, for creating mission, uh, Ecclesiastes uh, four twelve, go make disciples. Oh, actually, no, that oh, was, that's that, the wrong one. That was the one I corrected. <laughs> I had it written down wrong. Wrong one. I'm like Jesus totally said that, and he was not around in Ecclesiastes. <laughs> this is actually Matthew twenty eight. It's the Great Commission. Yes. Okay. Yes. So it's Matthew twenty eight nineteen. And it's go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Yeah, you see, so we always say create a three-step plan. Mm-hmm. From wherever you are to wherever you want to be. Now, you might be saying, all right, Brian, there's like 54 steps to get there. <laughs> I get it. But if there were three big steps that were overarching umbrellas over top of those other 54 steps. What would the three big steps be to get from where you are to where you want to be? For example, if there was a a piece of land in front of you, imagine 
you and your spouse standing shoulder to shoulder looking across the field. And you have to get across that field. The only problem is it's called a minefield. Yes. There are bombs buried in the field. And if you step on one, it's going to blow you to pieces. I literally have friends who have stepped on landmines and war zones and had their legs blown off. So this is a very real thing. What the mission plan does, when you have a three-step plan that may encompass more steps than that, but no, people can't really absorb mentally more than like three, like really good. Yes. But what are like the three big giant steps to get from where you are to where you want to be? If if you had to say what they were, what are those? And Jamie, we have three written down for our financial, um, I'm sorry, uh, the financial one here, our example. And what's, what's step one? Yeah. So again, this <laughs> section is called mission plan. And so the first one is schedule a time to plan. Sorry, you can hear my Texas accent in there. Time. <laughs> so schedule a time to plan. <laughs> I love your accent. Oh, I thank you. Um, so schedule a time to plan. Number two is create a budget. Number three is to create a financial growth plan. Yeah. So if you're wanting to be more financially secure, these are three things you might do. It, you might say, all right, step one, schedule a time to plan it. You know, um, Wednesday night at 8.30 after the kids go to bed, we're going to sit down. Yes. Boom, step one, knocked out. Mm-hmm. Step two, create a budget. That's where you write down all your income and all your outgo. And you get a very clear snapshot of where the holes are in your ship and where the money's going and what yeah. you need to do different. And that's so important. I mean, I mean, Brian and I do that at least once a year. We'll go through and, and if there's any changes or anything, we update it. We have like a, a dry erase board that we have written all of our expenses out on. Mm-hmm. And 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 just because it's important to know where your money's going. Yeah, well, not only that, but you're both looking at it from like a 10,000 foot view, looking down on it. Mm-hmm. And it's so such an easy way for your mind, your brain to grasp and understand when you can visually see something, there's a ton of power uh, in writing something down on paper or a dry erase board or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't like using like my phone or iPad, all the digital. It, to me, it's not the same. But when I can write something out with my hands and then see it, that's what works best for me mm-hmm. uh, to get it. So yeah, you create your budget. So step one, you schedule the time. Step two, you created a budget. We're going to stop eating out, you know, instead of four times a week, we're going to do it once a week. That's mm-hmm. going to save us, you know, $300 each week or whatever. Mm-hmm. Then step three is create a financial growth plan. So once you see where you're at in this scenario with the money, once you see where you are, well, how are you going to get out of here? <laughs> you know, like there was a, you know, if you don't have a plan to move forward, a, a way out, a path. You're literally going to stay where you are. You're going to walk in circles. I was reading a book by Seth Godin like six or eight months ago. I, for, I forget which one it was. But he, he quoted a study that was done by the Mac, the Max Planck Institute. Uh, if you don't know who Max Planck was, he was basically Albert, Albert Einstein's mentor. Mm. So smart dude. And basically this study they did, they found that human beings, when they don't have a pathway forward, or they lack a sense of direction, they ultimately will always walk in circles. Wow. So if you don't have anything (laughs) to guide you in any direction, if you're just having the money fight every day, every week, every payday, or the last day of every month, when there's $30 in the account, 
as always, it's because you're walking in circles. And that's because you don't have a mission plan, a three-step plan moving forward. And again, each of those steps may have smaller steps, but you can both wrap your heads around three steps. Yes. And so, um, you know, as far as, you know, the, the Bible verse, here's the thing. Jesus knew the power of this because mm-hmm. it, within the Great Commission <laughs> that he, he says in Matthew 28, there's three steps. Yeah. Go. Make disciples of all nations. Baptize them. He yeah. says, go make, and he says, baptize. Yeah, three steps. So whenever, you know, uh, you know the, the Romans are coming against you, they're going to try and kill you, you're in prison, Paul, hello, Timothy, all the other guys. When you have all this chaos going on, just remember, go make and baptize. Go get them, make disciples, baptize them. Th- those became like the three tenets that they could always look back on and live according to and know that they're fulfilling God's will according to Jesus, who taught them that. Yeah. All right. Because you think, how did one man, Jesus, enlist the help of just 12 people who couldn't have been more different from one another, a doctor, some fishermen, a Pharisee, some others, and then they, they all spread a message that's so effective that over 2,000 years later, against all odds, even brutal, torturous deaths, that mission is still being carried out and growing today. That's Christianity. Yeah. That's the church. It was because there was a very simple plan. There's a lot of things, but the Great Commission is a simple three-step plan. Yeah. And, you know, with my marketing background and everything else, like, it's that's there's so much power in business when you, you make things easy and you quantify them in a number, especially there's something about three. And so, mm-hmm. you know, go to work on those. So what are the steps you would take to win the battle that you're facing in your marriage? All right. Uh, second to last one here um, is called victory. Mm-hmm. Now, when you think about victory, this is envisioning what does your ideal successful outcome look like when when you get number one. Remember in the very beginning, the first one was your situation. What do you want? And we said, I want to be financially secure in our, in our situation. Yes. In our little sample here. Mm-hmm. So what does victory look like for someone who's financially secure? So we have, I don't have to stress about money every day. Yeah, that's pretty nice. Yeah. Not too much month left at the end of the money, you know? <laughs> Kim, yeah. I mean, if, you, if you've if you struggled with money or you feel like you don't have enough of it, can you imagine what it would like to not have to worry about money when the car breaks? Or when, you know, something comes up with your kids or, you know, the HOA sends you a a bill because you didn't you didn't paint your garage or your bushes were too tall or your grass wasn't cut or any number of another billion things the world's going to throw at you to try to destroy you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but think about what exactly, like think of a mental picture in your life, in your marriage, however you want it to be. What would that daily look like? If the way you want it to be, if, if it was that way, because there's a lot of power in being able to visualize, um, to be able to visualize having what you want. Because not only that, when you visualize it, you also start getting the feelings and we won't get into the deep sciences of that, but there's a lot of power in feelings and emotions. In fact, there's a, the Bible verse for this comes out of Habakkuk 2 verse 2. Yep. And it says, write the vision and engrave 
it so plainly upon tablets that everyone who passes by may be able to read it easily and quickly. Yeah, so you need to know what victory looks like. I mean, if you're running a marathon and it's like, yep, the finish line is that way, 26.2 miles, and it's that way. Well, if you're on mile 25 and you're just dead, you know it's around here somewhere, the finish line. But the people who set up and coordinated the race, they forgot to put up the big banner and the little ticker tape line across (laughs) the road. And so you actually ran past the 26.2 mark. And now you're on mile 28 and you're going, where the heck is the finish line? (laughs) Here's the problem. If you don't know what victory looks like, you're not going to know when you achieve it. Yes, that's so important. Yeah, you need to have a very clear vision of what. how, how do we know when we've won? And so um, this is what I always say about it. The key lesson section is if you can't describe what your victory looks like in one sentence, you don't have a clear vision. If you can't explain it so a nine-year-old can understand it, you don't understand it yourself. Lack of a clear vision of what exactly literally victory looks like for you will keep you stuck and frustrated and you'll, and you'll never get to where you want to be. Again, if you if you don't know what the finish line looks like, you won't know if you passed it. And if you don't specifically know what your finish line looks like, you'll never know when you've won in your marriage. So if we say we want, you know, $10,000 in our emergency fund by this particular day. Okay, when that day comes, it's either in there or it's not. We know if we if we won or if we didn't win. And if we didn't, well, why didn't we? What can we do to try it again and win next time? Mm-hmm. So, again, this, this section isn't about restating what you want to accomplish in step one, the situation, what you want. This section is more about describing specifically what your life will look like every day as a result of getting what you want. And so this is visionary. This is the vision of the future. And then finally, this is the last part. And this is a really important step in the battle plan. And it's not always the most popular one. Yes. (laughs) What's it called, Jamie? It's called defeat. Defeat. Remember, in every battle, every competition, there are winners and losers. Mm-hmm. You're either going to win or you're going to lose. Your marriage is either going to work or it's not going to work. It's going to be, it's going to last or it's going to end in divorce. Mm-hmm. It's going to be one of the two. So what's the Bible verse here? The Bible verse here is James 1. Bible verse. I love that. Uh, Bible. Bible verse. I'm from Michigan. She's from Texas. I love her accent. <laughs> James 1, 14 through 15. It says, Every man is tempted when he is drawn away by his own lust and enticed. Then when lust has conceived, it brings forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. Yeah, so basically, what are the consequences for not getting past an issue mm-hmm. in your marriage? I mean, if you think about the typical divorce, it's the single greatest um, event of financial devastation most people will ever face. Most people lose most of their money and assets, if not all of them. Uh, You're going to lose friends. Some of them will side with your spouse, others with you. Broken friendships. Your kids are going to be in the middle of it. Mm -hmm. So not only have you lost friends, lost a ton of money, maybe everything you've ever worked for, on top of the emotional trauma and heartache, Mm-hmm. of rejection and what he or she did or whoever. And then now your kids, they're thrown off track a lot of times. Now they're going down a wrong path. Maybe they're on drugs. Maybe they're dropping out of school. Maybe they're they're hanging out with a bad crowd. The thing is, 
this isn't about scare tactics. It's about the truth. Yeah. And when you look at your marriage and you say, you know, we're just going to end it and try again. We're going to divorce. We'll go find other people. There are some justifications for that. Um, I think people jump way too quickly to it. Yes. But, but when you can see, I'm going to lose most of everything I've ever worked for. You know, I'm going to, you know, my kids and everything, you know, how it's going to affect them. When you see that, when you see how that physically materializes, um, you'll second guess yourself. You'll say, you know, is it really worth it? Whatever this issue is we're trying to work on, is it really worth throwing it all away over that where I'm going to have to experience all that stuff? Mm. Maybe I'm going to be paying you $1,000 a month in child support every year for the next nine years of my life. Yeah. Is that worth not getting over the fact that you and I disagreed on something? You know, is it really worth it? Is it really worth um, just not being able to work through an issue? Sometimes the consequence of not working through something is definitely not worth it. And so you have to look at it. Sometimes sometimes it is worth it. Sometimes you have to sever a tie. There is some sort of justification for that. Uh, if you're speaking biblically, there are actually exceptions. There's a couple. I'm not going to go into it right here, but... Uh, there are some justifications for that. And so the key lesson section here is this. The lesson is this. It pays to be a winner, especially as a couple. Most people underestimate the true cost of failure in their marriages. And a lot of people think the grass is greener on the other side of the fence. But mm-hmm. the truth is that the grass is greener where we water it. Mm-hmm. And there are many things at stake and consequences for not accomplishing our mission. People often tend to ignore negative or scary thoughts until those realities hit them like a ton of bricks. Mm -hmm. And then they must face the reality. They put them off. But by then it's often too late to do anything about. Yeah. And people in general, they'll do more to avoid pain than to, to attain some sort of pleasure. Mm -hmm. And you know, this is why it's so important for you to be very clear on what defeat literally looks like in your daily life, in your marriage. If it doesn't make it, you know, you you can't say, well, I never envisioned I'd be paying a thousand dollars a month in child support and, you know, for, for, you know, 15 years and, um, you know, a thousand, I think is low. I've never been divorced. Thankfully it's one battle we haven't faced, but, mm-hmm. um, I, I think <laughs> I know some people pay a heck of a lot more than that, Yeah. you know, and they look at all these things, but like, um, be very clear on what defeat looks like in your daily life. If you fail in your mission, your marriage, you know, it's better to get a strong dose of reality and see what that's going to look like and feel like on a daily basis before it's too late than to get then to get to that point, once all hope is totally lost. Yeah. And few things in life are more horrifying than the sting of irreversible regret. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, I, I speak a lot for the military. I, you know, I teach the marriage battle plan to the military. And I do marriage battle plan uh, conferences, you know, mm-hmm. at their for their trainings. And mm-hmm. I literally, I've had this happen a couple times, but I remember the first guy. Well, this one guy walked up to me after I taught the battle plan. I did like a one-hour quick walk through, taught it to him. And he literally came up to me afterwards and he said, man, he said, if I would have, if I would have known what you just taught a year ago, I would still be married. Wow. Yeah. He was like distraught. And he, he's just like, I would, if I knew this a year ago, I'd still be married because I can see where these things were mm-hmm. and where they went wrong. Mm-hmm. We could have worked things out, mm-hmm. but now they're both divorced officially. The kids are split up. You know, I think she had remarried um, and 
Now they have step parents and you know, just he 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 realized he could have kept it together mm. if he would have known some of this stuff. And I felt for the guy. My heart dropped when he said that. Yeah. But what do you do? Mm-hmm. So um, in this section, Jamie talking about finances and in the last step here of our scenario, the uh, the wanting to be financially secure. What is what does defeat look like? So we put keep fighting about money, eviction, like maybe you lose your house, or repo where, you know, they take your car, uh, divorce, which we just talked about, or um, you're stressed and angry every day. Yeah. Stressed and angry every day. Maybe you didn't divorce. Maybe you're just hanging on and you just hate living in the same house with someone you're not on the same page with, whether it's finances or something else. Mm -hmm. And then you just resent each other. But you, you have this sense of obligation that you shouldn't divorce. And so you just stay in this this home that's like a, a literal hell every day. I can't tell you how many people I've met who literally, like, they hate going home because mm-hmm. their spouse is there. Wow. Like, that is not the kind of life I would want to live. No. And there's an enemy causing that. Yes. And there's propaganda in both of your heads. <laughs> and there's ways around these things. And there's people who can help. And based on what you do, whether you stay or go, or you're justified or not, that's not our place to say we don't know your situation. But know what victory looks like, what it can be, and what defeat looks like before you step out into that. Mm-hmm. So important. Yeah. So quick note here at the end, this section is about literally outlining what your daily life will look like if you fail. And a lot of people don't realize the true cost of their decisions until it's too late. But it doesn't have to be that way. You can see and feel the true consequences ahead of time. And if you create a marriage battle plan, you will know how to win the battles in your marriage because your marriage is a battlefield. And when you understand how a battlefield works, you'll understand how to make your marriage work. Thanks for joining us today. If you've enjoyed this episode, please take the next three seconds, just three seconds, and simply click that five-star rating if you feel like this is a five-star podcast. Also, if you want us to keep making these episodes, we can't do it alone. We're just a normal married couple like many of you, and you can help us continue making these episodes by contributing just $4 a month. Yes, just $4 a month. That's literally only 13 cents a day. That's just a dollar a week, a dollar per episode. And let's be honest here. For the quality of advice you get here, you can easily afford to invest just a dollar a week with us. This helps us grow so we can bring you even more value, and you also have the chance to get some pretty cool swag out of the deal. So here's what you need to do. Just scroll down to the bottom of the show notes right now and click the link that says support the show or you see the word Patreon. It literally only takes 30 seconds to do and it helps us continue helping you and your friends and loved ones in their marriages. So click the link right now that says support the show or Patreon and we'll see you in the next episode.